Hi, everybody. I'm Jordan Ostroff with Legalese Marketing, and this is Exhibit A Attorneys, where we interview attorneys and other experts around the country to talk about what it truly takes to be the Exhibit A of a successful lawyer. Joining me today is Maddie Martin of Smith.ai. If anybody doesn't already know Maddie, you have drastically missed out. Um, I'm not even going to read Maddie's bio. I'm just going to I'm going to do it. So Maddie started out in culinary school and then ended up becoming uh, leading a company that was doing a like food online blog. Is that the right? Yeah, I was the head of audience development and uh, syndication and uh, all that stuff. And then she moved over. She got poached to a company that was basically like the Uber of repair people where it would send car like, uh-huh. of car repair people like to you and even designed their uniforms and everything along those lines. And then eventually Smith.ai realized, oh my God, here's somebody with this amazing experience working in the tech sector, working with people in all walks of life. So now here comes uh, Maddie over at Smith, who's helping with answering services, chat bots, and just really being such a phenomenal resource to helping law firm owners build and grow their practice by providing like this real awesome value backed by the great products and services that Smith offers. Thank and you, Jordan. I, and I came up with that. That was not what was written. So it is It is from here. That that means a lot to me. I think that's maybe the first time in all the interviews I've done that someone has actually given me a heartfelt intro. So man, that, that feels like a great way to get started. All right. So before we dive in to what Maddie's going to talk about today involving your company's online presence and best practices for screening and scheduling, huge component of Smith's. I want to talk about our uh, last episode that aired on Monday that starred Sam Molai, who talked to us about legal funnels and how attorneys can use funnels to help build and grow their practice. Coincidentally enough, Sam, Maddie, and I were all on a panel at the Law Firm Growth Summit an hour ago. So the beauty of virtual is you can be there and not there and here and not here and back there all in the blink of an eye or switching over on the browser tabs. So Maddie, what, what did I miss in the backstory? Um, you know, one of the things actually that you miss is that I'm an econ major and so I'm a total data nerd. And I think that that's where we share our love of opportunity cost and talking about that because we understand that at like that root level that your time is worth money and your time cannot get a loan taken out for it. So, you know, like you can get more money, right? But you can't get more time. And we understand the value of, of a, a business owner's time, of a lawyer's time, of whoever, like, you know that your time is precious and it's the most precious and limited resource that you have. So when I think about, you know, my background and what else informs the way that I work, I'm constantly looking at data and that could be data around what are our revenue numbers? What are, what, what is our profit mix right now? Or also like, what does it look like when I listen to a phone call come through or I read a text or chat transcript, like, did that lead convert? If so, why? If not, why? And I think that's really critical, no matter what marketing strategy we're going to discuss online or off. Are you taking a data-driven sort of auditing approach to your top of funnel activities, to your mid-funnel activities? Do you know why everything is happening the way that it's happening? And if not, how are you going to find out? 
And here's what I love about that, because the biggest struggle I have as a business owner is figuring out like what is an art and what is a science and like what do we actually have right and wrong answers for. And the issue is most of business is still art, like no matter what you are doing, you are trying to convey the right message to people in ads. You're trying to provide the right product or the right service, make the right tweaks, deal with people in what is an art form. But the more you track that data now, the more you can make those small tweaks, the more you can make more scientific decisions on what to do because you're not going to appeal to everybody but at scale you can see what those best practices are for you with the million other decisions you make that influence somebody's decision to hire you or not uh, so i love that and i have so many examples that i want to stem off from that but when you think about like the most successful artists in the world they're also extremely, and, and this could be a writer or a painter, it doesn't have to literally be like painting something, but it could be um, Margaret Atwood. It could be who now has like a, you know, masterclass. Um, it could be, um, you know, um, uh, 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 Takashi, um, an artist. It could be um, uh, the one who collaborated with uh, Louis Vuitton. Someone's gonna correct me. Um, and Murakami. That's it will name. not be me. Um, Murakami. Uh, it could be any of these like really successful Jeff Koons, right? They have factories behind them, right? So just think for a moment. I love, love what you brought up, Jordan, about art and science. If we think that habit is actually the thing that connects these two and bridges that gap, then we get somewhere in business. So Jeff Koons, Margaret Atwood, they are artists who have brilliant ideas and execution that transcends your culture and background. We recognize them as exceptional art, right? And maybe you have that in your business, in your practice, you're exceptional at what you do. Then when you have sort of that sense of what you're really great at, there are all these other things that determine, can you make money at it? Can you make a living off of it? Can you scale it so that you can retire early or set up future generations of your family for success, give back to your communities generously through charity, et cetera, et cetera. And Sam in that panel that we just had together, Sam Malai, uh, who I love and deeply respect, like, you know, he also said as the more value, the, the more like, involved you are and dependent that your business is on you, the less sort of successful and valuable your business is because it's extremely at risk. You know, not to be crass, but if you get hit by a car, your business evaporates. If Jeff Koons like gets hit by a car, he still has the Jeff Koons like factory, right? Like Andy Warhol factory. So think about like, it doesn't, depreciate it doesn't reduce the value of your business you would never say that murakami doesn't have an incredible empire i mean he collaborated with louis vuitton right but you cannot scale just on your shoulders alone and the more small business owners who take that mindset and approach without ego without like sort of feeling wounded like i'm asking for help or i've done something wrong it's quite the opposite you have to identify what are the habits what's the science what's the method behind actually turning this into a viable business that's thriving and all of the strategy and the front man work so to speak um 
that's you. A lot of the other things can be delegated. And the sooner you get comfortable with that and the sooner you document it, the faster and easier and less stressfully you will grow. So I shared that, that statement with, uh, so my wife owns the other half of our law firm and actually does the legal work and is a much better lawyer than me. So I shared that statement with her the other day and I was like, so our firm has got to be worth billions because I'm a detriment to the firm. And she did not disagree with me, but did think it was pretty funny. So that's- I don't know if there's a negative impact there, but you know, uh, I think that Jordan, you bring a lot of value in other ways. I, but I your try. value is a lot of, you know, artistic value too, right? Like, you know, hosting a show like this, getting out in the community, maybe you write for your bar journal, maybe you, uh, you know, have a, a show or you're doing community work or you're teaching, if you're B2B, you're teaching other business owners. Like there, there are so many ways that you can bring your personality into your work, your art into your work and let the rest of the processes happen when people say, yeah, I want to work with you. Great what's the method and can you repeatably like handle so i think that's such a great way to tie into so your company's online presence and honestly like i want to take that a step further that it is your individual attorney online presence as well as your company presence because those articles that you write you know are probably going to be online that people can search the videos you're posting are online that people can search. Like we have no privacy anymore, I don't think. I certainly don't. I have TikTok on my phone, so the Chinese government knows everything about me, but then Facebook and Apple and Google know everything about me anyway. Everyone knows so, everything. So what's the mindset of that firm owner, CEO, lawyer when it comes to online presence? Like what should they be thinking? What should they be doing to make it better, to focus on it, to put in the effort? So first and foremost, you know, if your name is uh, intrinsically linked to your law firm, you're a law firm owner, you're a business owner, you better believe that you are now a public entity, right? So you can't unlink yourself from the fact that you, your face should and probably is, should be on your website. It's probably on your Facebook banner on LinkedIn. If you are not the the you know front man again so to speak front woman uh for your firm uh for your business then honestly probably at this point if you're in a service-driven business you're you may even be doing something wrong because you are that brand and people want to work with you you know whether it's a house cleaner or family law attorney like there is a reason why you're in business for yourself and not working for a big firm so there is something special about you. You make that difference. So, you know, you're putting your face out there. It's important that you have a professional presence. Um, you can choose to lock down sort of your personal uh, Facebook. You, you could have two profiles. I know people who do that, it's sort of complicated, but you could. I think the important thing though is on the business side is that you take ownership over your online presence and you treat every channel equally. What I mean is, and what I see often is that people don't and they miss out on a lot of new business that wants to interact with them. And there's this chase to set up every online profile to say, um, look, I've got a Facebook page. I've got Twitter and heck, I have Pinterest and I have all of these different channels and I never maintain them. And I just sort of stood them up. I put a little content there. Maybe once in a while, I'll throw up some graphic or I'll share a blog post. And then, you know, if you neglect them, 
they're sort of worthless, but in doing so, in having that sort of neglected profile out there, it's like having a Google My Business sort of listing and then you know, a review from three months ago, no one wants to see that. You might as well not even be there because it's probably doing you more harm than good. And that's what, what I want to emphasize. Being there means committing to continuing to be there. You have a website, your website needs updates and maintenance. It needs also an interactive feature where you can capture and engage with leads. If you're on Facebook and you never look at your business page Facebook messages, you are in deep trouble. If you're on Instagram and you just post on a whim every week or three weeks and you never look at your messages, you're in trouble. These are representations of your business and imagine that someone's first touch of for your business in their life is that Instagram profile and it just happens to be the day that you post and then you don't ever log in again and you don't answer that message, but they found you there and they think, well, what's up with that? Maybe you're brilliant at maintaining you know, your blog and your website and you have a podcast, but you ignore that other thing. Their impression of you is wrong, but and it's easily fixable. But that's something that you have to take as inventory to maintain um, very frequently. And I would be mindful that if you want to just go up into the latest social media uh, channel du jour, that you make a commitment to being present there or else you're sort of shooting yourself in the foot. So it it is amazing that you say that because that is exactly what I like about Clubhouse, that it is all, like you have whatever it is, that one bio post, everything else is completely immediately in that moment. People can see when you last logged in, but you don't have the opportunity to build you know, three years of content on it. You have the opportunity to put a link to your, you know, link tree or YouTube or whatever it is from there. And so it's really interesting because I think that even the social media platforms have jumped on the concept of, you know, like we finally reached the time where there is so much of us that we're competing for the same people in the same space at the same time that maybe we'll see more social platforms come up with some way to like, you know, I guess Snapchat being the example to only have, you know, photos up for so long or stories now and, Instagram and Facebook, but that is such a great point that you're making. Thanks. I mean, I think that we have to really be mindful about why we're there, what our objectives are, and why it deserves our time, or even anyone else's time you're going to pay to maintain those things. Um, and, and if you're going to outsource any of the social media as part of your online presence, even standing up listings on business, business directory, websites, things like that, you want to make sure that your messaging is clear, that people have been trained properly to represent your voice and your tone and your brand, the imagery, et cetera. I have, as Jordan, you know, introduced me, been around the block on, on digital marketing. You know, 15 years now, I have seen everything go up and down and, and how your I have worked with a lot of people on Upwork. Right. I've worked with a lot of freelancers and they will not protect your brand by default. They want to get the job done and they want to get paid. And that's totally reasonable. But it remains your responsibility to hold your brand and yourself accountable and then their work accountable as a result. So you, you have to be careful that before you get into all these channels, you also have standards for your brand. You have a tagline. What's your elevator pitch? What are the FAQs? 
you can't possibly maintain all of these channels by yourself. So you're going to have to have some help with it. Do you have help that understands what you do and don't do? Who's your target audience? Who, who should you be engaging with, et cetera? And so we're going to get to this in a moment, but like that's the exact same thing to give to like an intake team or whoever's screening your calls, just as much as it is building that online presence on social media. Like that is a consistent, consistent message, consistent flow, consistent voice, consistent focus. It's really important that you have processes across the board. And I'll tell you, it is not commonly discussed in these conversations beyond the immediate impact of getting the work done, the leads through, et cetera. But those have immense business value. If you are looking to buy a business and I see a, a law firm, I see an ice cream shop, I see whatever, you know, the, the crazy thing is that the ice cream shop probably has like better documented processes than arguably what should be more valuable as a law firm. Like I would be willing to probably bet money on that for the majority of small firms. Right. So, so McDonald's. The, no, like show me a business that has better systems than McDonald's. Why can they scale? Why are they predictably like uh, valuable as a business entity? Right. Like think about what it is that process does, it means that you can repeat the success that's currently happening. So if you are ever looking to sell your business, your firm, then it's critical that you have processes because those build immense value and faith that there is actually something here that transcends, again, the primary founding business owner. So I'm going to give my tip and then let me know if you agree, disagree, or have to add. Google yourself, Bing yourself, Yahoo, whatever search engine still is. Type in your name, type in your firm name, and look at like the top 20 results and see what they are because those are the places that people are going to find when they search for you. Those are the things I think you need to focus on the most and then balance a little bit of you know where your client's going to go. If your Facebook comes up first, but you're getting all your clients off of Instagram, I'd still do both. If you've got you know a great article about you from the local newspaper or a ter terrible article locally, you know, I'd play that up or try and play it down and try to get it, you know, try to build other things on top of it. Do you agree with this? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, so here's what I would say. Um, I, so Facebook is probably not going to be something that comes up in the search results, but LinkedIn will. So LinkedIn may be really unimportant to you uh, in every other aspect of your life. Maybe you don't love it, but it's the first thing that comes up when, when you search for someone's name on Google. Like, 95% of the time, right? So, I mean, unless it's like a famous actor and it's Wikipedia, but for the rest of us, like it's LinkedIn that comes up when you search for someone's name. Maybe it's a firm name, right? Maybe it's a business name. It's Joe's painting, it's Sally's law firm, whatever. But typically it's LinkedIn. So if you have not been maintaining your LinkedIn profile and if it's not visible to people, um, who are not friends with you if you've got it all locked down, I would reevaluate why you have it locked down. Make sure that it's not. Look at it through a friend's profile or someone you're not connected to. Check your settings and fix it because you want to be transparent about who you are and what business you own. And, and you also, you know, just speaking about LinkedIn for a second, if you have business content, you know, it's your own personal responsibility to also share that around. So you should be proud of the business content that's being produced under your, your firm name and then putting that out there, resharing it under your own 
name under your own profiles because you know within reason like people expect you to post content from your business now it gets annoying if that's the only thing in my facebook feed that i see from you but you know with you know the amount of content you're producing it's not going to be that frequent that it's inundating your entire feed yeah absolutely all right so anything about the online presence before and then we're going to move over to screening and scheduling no, I think we covered a lot. I mean, the, the, the primary takeaway is that I say no, and then I have something to add, sorry. But um, the, totally primary, okay. the primary takeaway is that you staff these online presences because if you're unresponsive, you lose a lot of the opportunity that you're accruing with all those eyeballs. And then now we can talk about sort of what to do with those eyeballs. Well, and look, I mean, this, for a lot of people, we're talking about this in, in essence, chronological order. So they saw your ad, somebody recommended you, whatever, and now they're Googling you, they're Googling the firm, they're reading reviews, looking at your content, and you have to sort of pass that gate for them to make that phone call, book that call, chat, you know, um, talk to the chat bot or the person mm -hmm. on live chat on your website. So that consistency, I mean, we've talked about this before, I want to highlight again, you need to have that consistency into that process because if you have a gorgeous looking website and online presence and then nobody answers the phone and nobody calls back, like, goodbye, you just lost all of that credibility. I mean, imagine this, Jordan, like imagine if you are a personal injury attorney and your whole being is wrapped up in saying, we are here for you right? We are here at this time of need. We're here for you. We're here for you 24 seven, blah, blah, blah. And then you don't pick up, you don't respond. You don't have chat. You don't answer a text message. You don't even know that your phone number is text enabled. Like you don't answer Facebook, like whatever it is. If you don't respond, you betray the message that you've spent building on your online presence. And then you're in deep trouble, right? I would probably use a different word. So like you have to think, what is my responsibility with all this stuff stood up to be responsive as not just a matter of speed of response, but also the channel means are you responsive or not across everywhere someone can reach you. And the content is whoever is going to respond equipped with the answers and the workflow that is their responsibility to carry forward uh, when that conversation starts. So from the client perspective, they made the right decision calling or reaching out to your firm. Mm -hmm. This is a case you can help with, and this is how they get started. You can get started now, whatever. I mean, is that the client's perspective in this moment? So the, the client's perspective, they have probably never worked with an attorney before, and they are reaching out uh, because hopefully they're in the right practice area let's give them that at least let's say they want a divorce and they search divorce attorney atlanta they land on regina edwards and they say wow looks like she's won a lot of awards i'm going to give her a call i get smith ai receptionist and smith ai takes down information depending on the firm um, will attempt a live transfer to the attorney. The client feels like, okay, they know what they're doing with me. They're steering me through this process. I'm in the right place. They ask me and confirm that, you know, it's a divorce that I'm after or, you know, very fam various family law matters. 
Um, you know, I'm waiting now on the phone to speak with the intake specialist, or I have a scheduled call at you know 4 p.m. today to speak with the intake specialist or the attorney. Um, all right, I'm going to stop my search because it's over. I have this attorney that I'm talking to, right? That is the client experience. You need them to stop their search. And Andy Stickle made a great comment in that, you know, summit from earlier where he said, like, you have to go for the singles. You don't have to go for the home run. Get to first base. And the first base is really, as long as they're a qualified lead, like, you need to get them to that consultation. You need to do the conflict check. You need to incrementally see your lead funnel as not, let me get this lead immediately to a client they're going to sign. Like you are setting yourself up for failure because if you don't take a look at each of those steps it takes you to get to the next base, then you're you're losing sort of like that, that smaller picture where the relationship is built where the active listening happens and where that sense of trust is established um, that actually will carry you forward with more momentum through the next steps and bases. Uh, and it will be even easier and you won't worry about the later stages of the process because you took um, great care with the first step. So I really want to highlight something that you just said because it was so much better than I was, I was thinking I wasn't even thinking of it from the client perspective. They want to know like, look, this is a case we can help with. This is how we get started. But from the firm perspective, you want the client to know like you're already in the right place. Stop looking. And so there's this really interesting, not balancing act because it's, it's two sides of the same coin. But I think so many firms lose sight of, you know, you don't have, if you're not going to take the call in that moment, if you're not going to do the warm transfer, make sure you stop the client from continuing or the potential client from continuing their search by making sure they know enough that they are in the right place to stop looking at least until you weed out the case later, maybe. You are the expert and actually you can turn your frontline team into experts by just teaching them, here's the process. These are three questions that you need to ask. Like what brings you here today? Oh, is it, is it criminal defense? Like, okay, do you have a court date scheduled? Like, you know, tell me like about the nature of this briefly. And you're like, okay, this is what the firm does. Like from our receptionist perspective, like whether it's a chat or text or call, it doesn't matter. You ask the same questions and you funnel them in or you refer them out. And I think what's really extra nice here is that from a client experience, client service, reputation building, online review generating perspective, you don't even have to necessarily work with every single client. If you have that process dialed in and you say, look, I'm sorry, you know, this is just a family law firm. We don't deal with criminal defense, but we refer you to law firm ABC. Um, you know, we've known them for 20 years. Here's their phone number. We'll give them a heads up. They're going to give a call. Uh, they take, you know, consultations weekly. You should be able to get in boom, you're getting an online review and your reputation just went up a notch, right? Like you didn't even work with that client, but you gave them such a good experience. And then you're building, you know, obviously goodwill in your community and that'll come right back to you. It's not a lost marketing cost. You probably paid for that lead somehow, um, whether it's SEO or PPC or whatever, but like you will get that back in spades because that firm now owes you one. They're happy. You're establishing that relationship more deeply. Such another, another brilliant point, right? Cause you're not, 
you shouldn't be just screening them out of into or out of your firm. You should be screening them to a solution to their problem. And that hopefully for the most part, that is your firm. But if it's not, the more you get them over in there, the more you're building that relationship with referral sources, the more, I mean, it's just, that's a fantastic point. I'll, I'll tell you this, like if we're all, you know, going more and more virtual, the last thing that we should ever lose sight of is that your law practice is probably going to remain somewhat localized. The vast majority of law practices are going to, for the immediate future, for, for the you know revenue that's coming in the door right now, you're localized. The last thing that you should do is to give a bad experience to someone who's in your local community. Like I'm here in Buffalo, New York. I might see that person at the supermarket, right? And I'm sure there are plenty of people who understand what I'm talking about. Like, these are real people. They're not just online reviews or leads or referrals or whatever. Like you can put whatever you want to. Just write a good review. They won't just pay you money or whatever or the referral money. But you will also not have, you know, kicked that person to the curb and said, sorry, we don't do that. You know, go back to your Google search results or whatever. Um, that's someone who you're probably going to encounter again you know if you're in a small town even if you're in a small community in a larger town you have to be mindful about how you treat people and that will have a reverberating effect in how the rest of your staff treats people how your firm grows um, what are your values and how does that inform your systems i think that's something that we need to talk more about as as a whole industry yeah, my two favorite my two favorite things to see in reviews for my law firm are either a I loved working with so and so who's a staff member who's not an attorney you know they were great to talk to whatever it is or b they couldn't help me but you know a good review that's like they couldn't help me but they got me the attorney who could they explained to me how to handle the situation they walked me through the process of why it, you know it didn't make sense to bring on an attorney those I think are so awesome because what you said is true like well, that's not something we're focused on. And that's something that a lot of other uh, firms would just say, you know, not us, see ya. And, and here's the thing, like if you have that embedded in your soul that like that's important to you, it's going to come through in your copy on your website. It's going to come through in how you describe your firm and what you're passionate about and how that's led you to this practice. Um, it's really important that you convey a sense of that personality because it's sort of like a flywheel. Like if you want reviews like that, Jordan, and you write outwardly about your firm in that way, that you, you take great care with personalized attention to service and our staff come from these expert hospitality or whatever backgrounds, like if that's the firm you want to build, hire those people, write and speak that way. And then you will attract those clients who want that and they will then write the reviews about that. So I want to transition to um, the scheduling aspect of this. So we've screened the call that, you know, the person saw us online, they loved us or they somehow went through our online presence. We screened them, they fit, we're going to do the scheduling. But before that, anything else you want to talk about in the screening? Uh, you know, make sure that you have an integration with your CRM, your intake, your practice management solution. Like if we are on that call and we are using a Lawmatics intake form, for example, that's going to create that record in Lawmatics so that when you have the appointment we're about to schedule for you, 
that record's already in there. You don't have your time doing admin work, right? So your team doing admin work. So when it comes to scheduling, you know, it's really important that you decide, am I in a high demand space or a practice area or both that allow me to charge for consultations? Uh, do I have a lot of demand? I've been around for a little while. I know that I'm going to lose some leads and that's okay because I want the clients I want and I want people who are serious about hiring me. And I know the opportunity cost value of my time. So if you charge $100 or $500 for a consultation, depending on your area, it could be $1,000 I've heard, right? It could be We'll only charge you if our call goes over 30 minutes, which means it's going well. You, you determine that. It could be credited to your first bill, but you want to get that commitment up front. Now, part of the commitment is filling out the intake form on, on our part for the potential lead. Maybe you did it online. Typically, you go through the receptionist, live chat, et cetera. You've already sort of committed by saying, okay, I'm going to answer these questions. I'm going to you know, jump through these hoops because I really do need to talk to an attorney. That's one part of the screening. The next is when you're ready to have that appointment, it might be in some cases transferring directly to the attorney or to an intake specialist. But if that person's not available, which they won't always be, um, then you need to schedule an appointment and you need to make sure that you're using a system that um, doesn't inundate you with calls. You know, are you are you blocking off enough time for uh, you know appointments and consultations, and then also other work? You need to balance that, and you can control that, and that your scheduling system is set up so that it sends the the lead a reminder and notifications and how to log in. And are you using Google Hangouts or are you asking them to download some program they've never used? Right, like. You have to look at every detail of this as a friction point or as a facilitator, right? Like if I ask you to download Skype, not a lot of people are using that anymore. It's mostly Google Hangouts or Zoom. All right, I probably have that on my phone and my computer. Are you asking for a phone call? Easy. If you're asking for something that's not easy, that's a friction point. So how can you facilitate that happening, that, that appointment happening, by scheduling it with the right attorney um, with the, or in bigger firms, it might be sort of a round robin even where multiple attorneys are on the same calendar and whoever's up for the next client gets it. Um, and that that client is notified and it's on their calendar and they get reminders when it's coming up so that they don't um, you know, result in a no-show, which is another reason why you might wanna charge for consultations. So it's interesting because, you know, when, when you first hear the friction point, you think automatically negative, but ultimately it's not if you do it intentionally in the right way. Like there are certain things you're going to want to put in to weed out, you know, time wasters or to weed out, you know, uh, tire kickers or to weed out something along those lines. And so it's really interesting to look at designing that system in mind to have the right friction. Yeah, exactly. You want to you want to be intentional with any friction. So if you're like, I need to ask these questions to screen people, that's very different than I really prefer the Blue Jeans app for video calls and like 1% of the market uses Blue Jeans or something. I don't know that. Don't quote me and don't come after me. But like, you know, um that like I just got a new computer. I've had it for a month and just yesterday I had to download the Blue Jeans app for something. Like, don't do that. Don't create unnecessary friction 
that doesn't have a role to play in your process. Like just use what everyone else is using. If you have to have a video call, why make things complicated? Um, and, and make sure that you get those people to show up. And then also, if you don't book that appointment, this is very important. So sometimes like if you've got estate practices or even family law or other areas where someone has to talk to a family member or friend before committing to the attorney, maybe they're contributing financially or it's a joint decision, et cetera, they're not going to actually commit on that call and there's nothing you can do about it. You can't force them, you don't want to, that starts to get to a negative experience. They're gonna go have that conversation. The best thing that you can do is to send them an email and a text, which we can do as a follow-up after every call with the link to that calendar to schedule when they're ready. So yes, you're gonna follow up with them. You're gonna send a call out to them and say the next day, or based on their time frame, what's reasonable to follow up. Going to promptly follow up and say, are you ready to schedule that appointment? But why not let them do it themselves? If you've got a receptionist service that's scheduling for you, we're not logging into your system because that's a you know security risk. Like we just use your online link and your directions to do it as if we were the lead, but we know how to do it properly, right? We're trained. That link can go to them. You've already screened them and say when you're ready to book, right? Like please click here. If they do book, you could even say, watch this YouTube video that I've recorded for you. It's five minutes and it will tell you how to have a successful um, first consultation with us. You could even say, here's the link to the 20 question intake form that we didn't get to on the phone. So you're prepared so we can have a substantive discussion. And if you're charging for consults, that feels like an added value, more commitment, more skin in the game. So there's a number of ways to do this, but the follow through with that email and text is a really nice feature that we've added recently. And I love what you're saying there because it, you know, it sounds like a one-off, but ultimately like everybody listening or watching this, everything Maddie just said is making it the value from the client's perspective. You know, this is how you, the client have a better consultation. And obviously you as the attorney feel better not repeating the same freaking five minute video to every single client, because I know, you know, I know I've done that in consults and still continue to do, but from the client's perspective, it's like, Hey, this, you know, watch this video, not to save the attorney time, but to make sure that you, the client have the best experience and those little switches will make a huge difference. Yep. Absolutely. It's all about the client experience. Yeah. All right. So as we start to wrap this up, um, for anybody enjoying the show, our next episode comes out on, or comes out is Monday. These are live on, uh, on Monday with Victor Medina. Victor's a coach for Atticus. I know he was also on a Smith Academy, which I'm going to make sure we pitch before we go. He was talking about, if correct me if I'm wrong, um, how to respond to negative reviews. Yep. Okay. So we may have him repeat some of that information here. Um, just a wealth of knowledge coaches, a bunch of attorneys runs an estate planning practice. Uh, really excited for him to come in and chat with us. So awesome. that will be on Monday at 1.30, but I'm not going to let you go yet because we got to talk about the Smith Academy. So I, this is, this is why I love you all. I'm going on record. This is live. Every other answering service can hear this. It's totally fine. You guys are so, you guys, I shouldn't say that. You, you all guys and gals are so invested in our success as lawyers that you're you know coming on these shows creating a bunch of content putting together these webinars and then you all have recently finally put that all together in the smith academy 
Did I get the yep. name right? Okay, perfect. Yep. So what, tell me more about it and then let's make sure we get the link in here. Yeah, no, awesome. So you can link to uh, academy.smith.ai. Um, and it's basically a free learning hub with expert videos drawn from a lot of the content from our webinar series over the last uh, two years or so. We do um, you know, as many as three a week, and we have taken the best of those. And maybe it's just me talking or Kelsey, and then uh, who's our marketing manager and also an wonderful educator, uh, or it's a one-on-one -on -one interview, for example, you know, you taught about delegating down to a three-day work week and things like that. Um, it may be a law practice management topic, a technology topic. It is specifically for attorneys and it is completely free and available to watch. We're in the process of adding um, another almost two dozen videos. So there's a lot that is coming to it. We'll be adding more resources and guides. It won't just be video, but you know we've we've broken them into really um, sort of understandable chunks to say, all right, what is the marketing piece of the puzzle? What is the sales and lead conversion piece of the puzzle? And what is the business systems and financial operations piece of the puzzle? Like we had a fantastic uh, course that we did with uh, Josh Youngblood and Moshe, who are both uh, accountants. And Stephanie Everett, who's an attorney and you know leads lawyerist, and they talked all about your business KPIs and your finances and taxes, and that is a critical part of it too. So you know I can't deliver that content myself. I have to be able to identify the experts on behalf of Smith AI and our clients and community. So we're really excited to bring that forward and uh, and open it up to everyone. So academy.smith.ai. Yep. Mm -hmm. All right, and then for anybody who knows that they need help with the answering, with the callbacks, with the chatbots, with the texting, with the figuring out the intake system, you know, with, with actual help from people, how do they get in touch with you? So even if you don't know that you need help, I encourage you to try it because once you go there, you don't go back. You know, it's great to have even help for overflow, even if you're sort of handling things okay on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, so you can visit smith.ai online. You can call us 650-727-6484. Uh, you can email hello at smith.ai. Obviously, you will reach our receptionist. You can also chat with us live and test it out for a spin yourself. Um, and if you do want to get started to give us a try, use the code EASE100, E-A-S-E-100, and you'll get $100 off your first month. Very affordable, flexible month-to-month -month plans. I think you'll be shocked at the value that we can deliver. And you all have 24-7 answering in English and Spanish. That's right. And chat and uh, live chat features as well. Yep, and live chat is uh, real-time English-Spanish translation, so it actually doesn't even matter who the uh, what the native language is of the receptionist. We have a translating tool in there, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. It's like um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with the, uh, the, the translator necklaces. I love that. Yep. All right, so um, anything else before we get to your biggest takeaway? No, I think we've All covered right. a lot of ground. I, so before we do your biggest takeaway, I am going to track down the link. Uh, Maddie did a podcast on the Successful Lawyer podcast with Larry Weinstein. 
it, it is better than this conversation. So Larry is a better host than me. I'm totally willing to admit that. You have to watch this podcast episode. It just like you all just covered a more than basic understanding of everything in like 25 minutes that really I think helps people understand what they're truly missing out on. And so I just I'm gonna I'm gonna track down the link. I'm gonna post it in the comments. So it will not be there live. Sorry everybody, but when the show is over, I will add it here. Um, but with that being said, if somebody's been listening to this for the last about 50 minutes, they take nothing else away from what you said except this one thing. What is that biggest piece of advice? What would help the most number of lawyers become the exhibit A of a successful attorney? Oh, that's easy. Just pick up the phone because two out of three potential clients base their decision to hire on your initial responsiveness. And they don't know what they're missing out on if they never talk to you. And they've only had the experience of talking to another attorney because working with attorneys is not like a day-to-day -day supermarket thing right? So they don't know what they're missing out on. They're going to hire the attorney because that attorney told them they can help them. Pick up the phone. Don't screen with voicemail. Don't wait for the callback. Don't let it ring a million times because you haven't checked if your phone system is operating lately. Audit your systems, make sure things are working smoothly, and then pick up when that phone rings. It's so amazing to me. I go with the, uh, the Woody Allen 90% of success is showing up. Like exactly. we we go to law school, we win these awards, we become fantastic attorneys, you know, we become the greatest that we can possibly be. And from the client perspective, we are the exact same as a plumber. Like the first one that's gonna get there, the is the first one we're gonna hire. That's what we need. There's a problem happening right now. So if you're I gonna love commit it. to that, if you're gonna commit to that, and and I hope that you will have that be an affirmation that you add to your day, like you are going to respond to every single lead. And maybe you need to dial in your marketing, maybe you need to hand it off, but if you're going to commit to that, that doesn't mean you're committing your entire day or week or life to just being a receptionist, right? So committing to that means setting up the solutions and the systems in order to carry it through. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Pleasure as always. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode of Exhibit A Attorneys. If you're interested in becoming the Exhibit A of successful attorney, please check us out at LegalEaseMarketing.com, E-A-S-E.